Testing, testing, one. Oh, yeah, we're good. I think we're good. I can hear you, and you can hear me. Perfect. Okay. I don't even know what episode it is. I think it's episode 14. Uh, on episode 14 of Beer Life... Um, oh, I'm clipping. I'm clipping. i got to turn my shit down. Hold on a second. That's what we use in the terminology, Eric, for uh, coming in too hot. Ooh. Okay. I think I'm good now. Uh, welcome to episode 14 of Beer Life. My name is Jordan Foss, and on today's show, uh, it only took him 14 episodes, uh, our head brewer, Eric Mutal. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hi. So how come it took 14 episodes to get you on here? You tell me. Unless this is episode 13, (laughs) and I can't can't remember. It's still 13, though, so... It actually would have been episode 15, except for the long-lost Brent Mills episode that I keep getting messaging about. Um, uh, For those of you that have listened along... Uh, for this this far, congratulations. Um, uh, you may have noticed um, some shoddy editing in, in episode three and four, where we referenced the long lost Brent Mills episode, uh, which Brent and I recorded from Four Winds. And then uh, we talked about their new project the whole time. And then a week later, it got shot down. So that is why we removed the episode, because we were basically talking about nothing. <laughs> so I'll have to have Brent back on. But that's enough about Brent. Because who gives a shit? He's not here. Uh, let's talk about you, Eric. What brought you to me from the very beginning? How did you get into beer and then Craigslist? Cra- you got into <laughs> beer on Craigslist? No, not even. No, I cold called you. Uh, sent an email. I was looking for a job in beer. Yeah, I had a summer off of school and I needed a job, and it was I wanted to work at a brewery. I've been homebrewing for years and thought it would be a cool thing to do. Um, for the one day I might want to open up my own brewery. I figured I should probably at least get a summer job at a brewery. And now that you've been working here with me, are you like, fuck, I don't want to open my own brewery. Oh no, no. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, you cold called me. You sent me an email. An email. Yeah. 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 I was applying to basically all the breweries in Vancouver, which was a lot fewer than there are now. Yeah. And, uh, who did you apply to? uh, So we can make fun of them for being unlucky. And not, not hiring you like they should have. Uh, I forget exactly, but I basically banged out a whole bunch of uh, emails out in a day or two. So we to, were just one on your list of many. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I hadn't, you guys hadn't opened yet. I, right. I didn't know what you guys were like, and, but right. I, I had heard you guys were opening and timing was right. So I, I sent an email along and got back. You got back to me pretty quickly, I believe. Yeah, and, uh, I was desperate. No, I, um, <laughs> it was, because uh, I think I got your email kind of late into the hiring process and, and you had applied for the tasting room job. Yeah. And then I remember looking you up uh, on the internet like I do with everybody. So if you're listening, you're going to apply it for a job with me. Uh, take all your photos down that you don't want me to look at on Facebook or at least make your account <laughs> private. Um, and the only thing I could find about you was that your bike got stolen and you got in the newspaper. And I it's, did. And it's a picture of you <laughs> holding your bike above your head. So how did that happen? I, I mean, that was a weird thing that I had actually bought. Accidentally, I bought my friend's stolen bike oh, okay. off of Craigslist. Oh, and that's amazing. Uh, yeah. And then that bike got stolen from me. So it Really? Just, yeah. It got stolen twice? Yeah. That's why we made the paper on that. That's wild. Because they were doing a story on stolen bikes in Vancouver. and The thing I like about the paper is you were wearing your helmet, but you were standing. And yeah. it was safety first. And I will say, if you come in, sometimes to the brewery, Eric will be working at his desk with his safety glasses on, just in case. <laughs> you just, never know what's going to happen. You never know when that PC is going to explode. <laughs> um, okay, so 
you what got you what got you enough into beer to even apply for the steel and oak job like did you homebrew for for years or i'd been homebrewing yeah for years um at home just kind of with some friends usually by myself and i really like the process and friends just get in the way of making good beer you have a better time but you don't make as good beer. No, because you have too much to drink. Exactly. And then you forget what your hop additions are. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of, I did it kind of both. But if I really wanted to make good beer, I'd just take a day, kind of be on my own. And it's almost like meditative. Yeah. Um, at least when you're homebrewing and it's simple. Um, and so I'd been doing that for years and thought, you know, it'd be cool to one day own a brewery and do it all myself. And I think most homebrewers have that dream in the back of their heads. I wasn't 100% serious about it. But I had uh, a summer off of school, and so I figured, well, if I am maybe one day going to do that, I should probably know what it's like to work at a brewery right. and not just go in cold like, like you did. Yeah, no <laughs> And then regret it later, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, everybody. I'm not that jaded. And, uh, and so I figured, yeah, let's, let's work at a brewery and go from there. Cool. And then your backup plan was, because you were in engineering, you were at engineering at UBC while you were yeah. doing this. Yeah. And so... Why bother? I mean, I guess there's lots of overlap with engineering, but what was, when was the moment where you obviously went to engineering school for a reason? When was the moment you're like, oh, maybe I'll give beer a try instead? Well, I mean, when I was applying for this, I didn't really think, I thought it would be a separate thing. And maybe, right. you know, 10 years down the line, I'd start my own brewery or it wasn't really thought out. Yeah. But um, I just kind of thought, and well, there is overlap. There's a lot of engineering even though it's not officially engineering work but yeah. it's definitely engineering work yeah. in a brewery so I figured let's do it and it wasn't until because I still had one semester left of school when I went back yeah I remember that and then I started working here more and more and then that's when I was like well maybe this is it yeah yeah it's funny you mentioned like engineering and crossover too I was at uh, Parallel 49 yesterday talking to Graham with their head brewer and he's a process engineer which is crazy, or maybe I'm mispronouncing that. No, no, that's, that's a thing, that's right? right? Yeah, I yeah. felt so Which is stupid exactly just hearing what brewing is. So it is that's... right, and and he was talking about how excited he gets when you can uh, close a loop or something like that. So he was talking about <laughs> if you were like people that are in the um, the like vodka soda game. In theory, with like a carbonator, you could have a tank full of water, a tank full of spirits, and then you can create. Uh, and as long as you've got water going in, you can create like an endless loop of creating spirits. And he's like, that's what I get excited about. And I'm like, you're a nerd. <laughs> I mean, that's how they do it. Like, I mean, pop is made that way. They have their syrup uh, and then their water and then they're carbonating as they're, they're not making a big tank of it and then, and then bottling it or canning it or whatever. They're, they're just, making it nonstop. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, even just the, the uh, fountain drinks, you just have the syrup there. There's right. water. You push the button and, and it just mixes. It mixes as it comes into your glass. They have, you know, uh, not to get off topic, but I'm going to get off topic. The um, I had a guy that I know. I went to high school with his son, and he reached out to me. He's he was in the the bottled water game for a while, but apparently there's this new machine that they're trying to get into stadiums across um, the U.S. that makes mixes Rattlers on like so you you're like oh I want beer with with lemonade or beer with cranberry lemonade and it mixes like for you at at the event i'm like that's pretty cool i guess it'd be the same as the uh like the coke uh freestyle machine yeah which is new and crazy yeah Yeah. you can't you don't even have to uh make swamp water anymore you can just press different buttons and it does it for you (laughs) so you applied for the job and i hired you for the tasting room and then 
I don't I don't think it was even that long before then you started in the back with Pete, our original. It brewer. was like a week. I know because you guys hired me with the okay, well, we don't need anybody any help in the in the back in the production side because Pete was apparently going to do it all himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pete listens to this podcast, by the way. Oh, does he? Yeah. He, Hi, Pete. He emailed me the other day <laughs> and he's like, uh, uh, hey, great job on the podcast. And I was like, yes, I still have my I am Audi, whatever, Hotmail account because <laughs> we talked about it. And then, uh, yeah, it was great. So anyway, should bring him down for this one. I should bring him down yeah. and get him on. Oh, he would be it would be awesome to have him down here now that he's in Kelowna and he's reconnected to the to the world. Um, he would be great on this anyway. So, so Pete, Pete needed help. And did you, did we move you entirely back there? I can't even remember. No, it was kind of, I was doing like one or two days a week cleaning kegs mostly to start. And then Pete was showing me how to clean tanks and do all the, the labor intensive work that he didn't want to do, do, didn't have time to, I guess. The stuff that you slough off into others now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, it was it was super quick. And so then that whole summer, because I guess we opened in June and I didn't go back to school until September. Yeah. I was working tasting room and in the production side. Right. And so. And when was the moment where you were like, these guys have no idea what they're doing? I mean, Pete knew what he was doing. Yeah, that's true. That was the best <laughs> thing we could have done. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Pete did know what he was yeah, doing. He was he was good. So you at least had confidence in the beer, which is important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. So so you're back there. You're working with Pete, and then what was the best part about working with Pete? Thinking that he's listening right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was just really good at like taking the time to teach me things because I mean, I knew the concepts, but I hadn't done it in a brewery setting before, like a full size, and it's easy home brewing. If you want to move something, you can literally pick it up and move it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to clean something, you can scrub it. You can get your arms in there and and scrub it. So I needed to learn how to do it on the big scale. And so you got to put pumps and set things up in, in a different way. Um, and so he was really good at just kind of letting me figure it out, but also being there to, to teach me. Yeah. And then, um, after you were back there for a little while, um, we moved Chardonnay back there as well. And it was just the three of you guys, I think for a while, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and I mean, I guess we, we fast forward, um, I can't even remember what year it was when Pete decided that he was going to go off the grid. And, uh, I remember we were sitting with Pete and he was telling Jamie and I, and he's like, you were on vacation, I think for a while. Um, I was going to be, you were going to be going on vacation. That's right. And Pete was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. And he gave us, I think he gave us like six or eight months. I can't even remember. It was a ridiculously long time. And, uh, he's like, I think Eric would be the right guy for the job. Now, when we asked you to take it over, were you, did you feel confident about it or were you like, oh, holy shit. And then you're like, but I better say yes. Cause you know, then what else is going to happen? Right. <laughs> right away. I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And then because it was still, I don't know, three or four months before he left. So we had a like good transition time. Yeah. Um, and then I started realizing, okay, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. And I used to have somebody to, to defer to when something wasn't going right. Yeah. Somebody was going to be there to, I could ask you like, well, what do we do now? And he has to figure it out, even if he didn't necessarily know, because we're always learning and always figuring new things out. And then once he left, I was like, oh, there's nobody else to ask. I mean, there's other people in the industry if there's something yeah. really wrong. But in general, it's just I just have to make a decision and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, and I think, too, it's like and you've done a good job of that, of just making the decision. And then, you know, generally it's worked out most of the time, <laughs> I, at least that I, I hope so. Of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
And so, so Pete left, and it was just you and Chardonnay back there. Or who do, do we? No, hire? we had hired Jackson. Right, um, Jackson. So he came in a little bit before. So he was working with Pete for a little right. bit. Right. So it was good. Yeah. So it was still a team of three. Yeah. And that was. Do you remember what year that was? That would have been 2016. Yeah. Oh, wow. Pete left in May of 2016. Right. And it was crazy because we didn't. It felt longer than that that Pete was with us, but like we only opened in well, we opened in 2014, so I guess it was a couple years. And he started working for us, I think, six months before that. But it was the longest job that Pete had ever held down was with us, and uh, it was which, my longest job too. Yeah, I know you keep <laughs> I, you, know, you keep telling, you keep reminding me of that. Um, so you've got the full time birds job, then you've you've stopped engineering, uh, or you've finished your engineering diploma, and um, so you're you're getting in the groove. What would you say? in the early days was like outside of not having somebody to talk to, uh, or to defer to what was the hardest part. That's a hard thing. That's why I have a podcast, Eric. <laughs> uh, I mean, things went smoothly. It was long hours. I mean, it still is often, um, of just trying to make sure everything was good and, but we had set up good systems. So things were in place. Yeah. Um, and so, I just had to make sure all the ingredients were in and all the logistics and, and all that and scheduling. And I hadn't done that before. So getting that into place was good. And then we started getting a few new people and it's training them, making sure they're up to the same standards as, as we have here. Um, and so I think it was, that's probably the hardest part of making sure people might know. And if they come from another brewery, they, do things differently. We want to make sure everybody's on the same page. We're a small enough team that it's not that hard to do, but it's still, it's yeah, still something you got to worry about. You want to make sure that they do it our way, right? So that everybody is, yeah, is in line. Yeah. You know, or at least bring an idea of, of how to do something better to the table so that we can change our, our processes. Yeah. 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 We're always willing to do that, yeah. but we don't want people just doing their own thing. And then somebody else comes and does the same task and does it a different way. Yeah. Um, if somebody thinks there's a better way to do it, speak up and, We'll see. Maybe there's a, no reason why we shouldn't do that. Maybe we've tried something and we're like, oh, well, it actually doesn't work because X. Yeah. And when um, now going, you know, fast forward to, I guess we're on our sixth, sixth year now, fifth year now. I can't remember. When you have a fifth year anniversary, you're going into your sixth year. Yeah. So, yeah, in our, into our sixth <laughs> year. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what would you say now is the biggest challenge for you? or the hardest thing that you have to deal with? I'd say it's the same. It's just as we grow and new people come in and some turnover and that is just yeah. making sure that everybody's on the same page and we always want to improve. And so if we find a better way to do something, well, if we've been doing it one way for five and a half years and suddenly we're like, oh, well, this is actually a better way to do it. Well, we all have to be on the same page. We all have to make that yeah. switch. The, um, I mean, we, we've, I mean, all businesses have turnover and we had, there was a, a span there of a year where we had some decent turnover in the brewery, but I feel like the team right now is really, is probably the most solid team we th- I think we've ever had. And we're doing more with less people almost, right? Like those, yeah. those, the, the people back there are super efficient and they, they seem to work the, the way that we want them to. Would you agree with that? That you think that now knowing that those guys are going to listen anyway, so you have to say they're the best team. But they, I, I actually, no, no, I, think I, they are. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it works really well, and everybody works well together. Everybody gets along, yeah. and uh, and works and hard. Works hard makes great beer. Yeah, because we've had a few that haven't worked that hard. So you know, if you're listening, it's you. No, it's not you. It might be you. You won't know. But all the best. 
Um, so knowing how difficult it is to run the back end of a brewery, who do you see in, in our local industry, I guess, that you really respect or look up to that think, that think they're not necessarily, I don't really care that they're making the, I mean, they should be making the best beer. I but, care about the beer. But they, for sure. But who do you think runs their shit really, really well uh, on the back end of things? That's hard to tell from, from far away. Yeah, because, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, they can be doing a shitty job at managing their team and all that, but if their beer ends up being really good, then yeah. that's, that's what I see. Yeah, so, well, and I, I don't, like, and I don't, you said running their sh- team really shitty, and this is not my intent when I say this, because that's not the case, but when you go to four wins, it's fucking <laughs> crazy, and, like, and those dudes are, they're so busy, they're obviously way busier than Steel and Oak, like, they make a, I mean, I think they make five times more beer than we do, um, and you're like, holy shit, how do these guys manage this many people with this many beer with this many beers and it's like it's mayhem but it's like organized chaos yeah like you have to be dialed even just to make that work and do that amount of beer in that space yeah the bigger you get you have to really have things kind of compartmentalized yeah um because or else it's just not going to work whereas here we have a team of three and a half right now yeah um not a half person but a a part-time person yeah uh and so it's pretty easy to communicate things. Yeah. Everybody can do everything, um, which is nice. Cause then mm-hmm. if somebody's sick, there's, you can just move somebody over or swap some things and, and it works. Um, but on, when you get to the bigger scale, you really have to be organized and have everything in place because one, one team doesn't directly do something else. So somebody's yeah. brewing and they're hoping that the tank they're brewing into is clean, clean because yeah. somebody else is in charge of that. Yeah. And did their job properly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas here it's the same person yeah. that's doing it. Or if it's not the same person, they're right beside them. So it's easy to tell. Well, and I think it's difficult for like, I'll, I'll use four wins as an example, probably yellow dog. Cause they've grown really fast. Is that we all set these breweries up, not understanding how big they could get. So they're not really necessarily set up to be big. And so, really, you're trying to, like, I mean, you look go by the new, that new Molson plant on, in Chilliwack, you're like, oh, that's how you do it. Yeah. Right? And um, whereas, like, everybody here is just scrambling to try and uh, to grow and then just kind of fitting pieces in where they might fit. And then you're kind of tripping over each other. And you go to Central City, and it looks like, I'm sure it's not calm, but it looks calm, just the way that it's set up, right? And... Uh, but you go to Dagrad and it's calm, but that's for a different reason. because they're sitting on <laughs> bottle conditioning beer for eight weeks. So everybody's yeah. just having a coffee. But that, every time I go to Dagrad, it just, I go in there and it's like, everything seems so chill. Like they might be brewing and bottling. Which is funny because I wouldn't use the word chill and Ben in the oh, same well, sentence. Ben's not around. Uh, that's true. Ben's okay. upstairs working. He's probably screaming at his computer. Uh, <laughs> but Mitch has got everything chill. Yeah. And, yeah. It's nice. Yeah. And like I, I know they work hard, and oh, I know, but I, I yeah. go in there and I'm like, I feel like everything's just like slower and stuff. And part of it's their layout, whereas we have kind of like everything's in the way of everybody else. Yeah, we are uh, tripping over each other quite yeah. often. Yeah, like our, whereas they almost have, they're still a really small place, but it's they yeah. have a packaging space versus us that's just like, oh, we'll just package in the middle of everything. This is terrible podcasting because no one can see anything. But would you, if you, if we had the same space and the same amount of tanks, would you design it differently than how it is right now? Yes. Yeah. What would you do differently? I don't know exactly, but definitely move the tank so you don't have to drag, uh, for example, the spent grain has to go right through our yeah. work area, our packaging area, everything. Yeah. Hoses are lying across. Um, and so that kind of disrupts our flow. Um, 
biggest thing if you're starting a brewery, which you might be if you're listening to this podcast, design for what you might do. You might never get to that maximum capacity, but think about what it would look like if you did yeah. fill the space with as many tanks as you can fill, fit in there and then what a work day is going to be. Yeah, imagining like. doing two things at once, which is yeah. which I, I don't think we, we thought about that because I don't think any of us knew how big we were going to be and... Um, not that we're that big by any means, but we're probably bigger than we thought we might be at this point in time. And, uh, yeah, I'm trying to visualize, like we originally were going to put the brew house where the sink and everything is, and it was going to be against the wall. And then we were going to have a window looking through from the tasting room into the brewery. But Pete hated that. Yeah. Which I don't blame him, uh, based on all the shenanigans that happen back there sometimes. (laughs) It's not even that. It's just the fishbowl thing from a customer point of view fantastic i get that yeah but if you're working even if nothing wrong is happening but you're just there yeah you don't want people watching you no and you're sitting at your desk and for eight hours somebody's just right behind you just watching what you're doing it's bad enough that you know um sometimes people just walk right in and walk upstairs it's the only like i don't think you'd be another job where somebody would just show up to work your work and they just walk right in and just like come and see you at your desk like that would be weird but here, for whatever reason, it's okay. But is it okay? I don't know. I think it's because we have a retail space. And so they're like, well, this is open. Yeah. So, and then people are always shocked that we're not in the tasting room. Um, I always find, like, I'm like, well, why would we be in the tasting room? Like, we work. Like, they just assume that we're always going to be there, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You're working at a brewery. All you do is drink all day. <sighs> yeah. Drink coffee. <laughs> That's true. I do. Um, what would you say to date is the beer that you're the most proud of that you've you've brewed simple things and why i mean partly because i just love to drink drink it but a pilsner is something and i think a lot of brewers would agree with this it's just to me it's like the pinnacle of of beer if i go to a new brewery yeah that's that's you try that's what i try if they have a pilsner or a light lager something that's that's how i judge them yeah um because there's less to hide behind um an ipa you can just throw more hops in it and and be good yeah Uh, if you're putting fruit in a beer you just throw more fruit in a beer and you don't need to brew it as well there's still a difference a well-brewed ipa is better than a shittily brewed ipa but i don't think shittily is a word eric Eh, it can be it is now (laughs) (laughs) But you're uh, right, you can cover it up where yeah, you can't cover anything with... Yeah, and a light lager, a pilsner, and I mean, to me, simple things is the beer. I want to keep making it better. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's what, I, it's what I drink most of the time. If I'm taking beer home, yeah, it's going to be that. I think it's when, when we have do clubs and everything, that's what I always recommend that other people, uh, that other brewers drink. And, uh, and so, which is, you know, it's, I think it's the beer that I'm the most proud of to show to, to other people, right? Um, what would you say is the beer that you are the least proud of or that you would not brew again? Now, that's not to say, like, we've had, <laughs> we've had, I mean, we've only had one or two tanks, I think maybe only one tank, where we dumped it really based on the quality of the beer. Yeah, and now I'm going to blame the ingredients on that yeah, one. Yeah, that was a grain issue for sure. Um, but what would be a beer where you were like, ah, I kind of wish I could get that one back or hmm. that you would tweak a ton? Our, uh, a- Table beer, Pembroke. Oh yeah. Oh fuck, I forgot. Which has about so that much beer. potential, it but it's just—it's no Bernabarian, so no, we and shouldn't I, even try. No, and I remember when we brewed that because it was like it was like in the, it was in the off season where we're yeah, like we, we had, had a, a tank. free tank. We're like, well, let's put this Belgian table beer in, and then I always remember Ben was like saying like. 
that they kind of created that Belgian table nah. beer kind of thing. No. Yeah, yeah, he's full of shit. Or maybe I, I just put words in his mouth and he's screaming <laughs> at his fucking his computer right now. Or I actually don't think anybody listens to a podcast right on their computer. Unless he's at work, and then he might be. But anyways. Um, but I remember calling Ben, because we made it. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, these are our buddies. And like, we literally just made a beer that's like, exi- well, it's not, doesn't no. taste like theirs. Um, uh, it was different a, enough, yeah. but it just... It wasn't there. No, no. And I remember being like, oh, I'm sorry, man. Like, we, we did this, right? And, uh, <laughs> but that's right. I, it didn't sell that well. I know that. No. And it's just an interesting, like, yeah, I mean, people buy Bernabarian. If Bernabarian was called Belgian table beer, it would probably sell a quarter of what it does. But Bernabarian's like, oh, that sounds great. And then you drink it. I and mean, like, this has got awesome. Burnaby in there, so it doesn't yeah. sound like it was great. a new Asterian. <laughs> it would have. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Pembroke. That's a good one. Yeah, I would. I wish I, we could have got that one back too. You're right. It's not a beer that we weren't necessarily proud of. It wasn't bad, but it, it wasn't what it could could be. have been. Yeah, yeah. Huh? I never. I always forget about that one. <laughs> I know we're not brewing it again. So I'm trying to think of what one I'm the least proud of, even though it's not my fault. It's not my fault, everybody. Um, I don't know. I think I'm. I'm. You know what? Brunegra. Oh yeah. Remember Brunagra? Hey, sorry Pete if you are listening cuz that was a Pete beer. But I remember that was Pete's first attempt at uh doing a sour, I think. And uh it was uh what the hell was it? It was a brown brown Belgiany. It was kind of tart, wasn't it? Yeah, cuz it was soured. It was kettle soured. Right. Yeah, it just didn't hit the mark for me. No. But uh Although then when it went in barrels, that's true. It became Titian, right, which was very good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it tastes like right now. You know what I had on the weekend? I have a bottle at home. Do I just you? found you I was bring it doing in. a big cleaning. and yeah. I had barrel-aged smoked Hefeweizen on the weekend. How did that taste? You know what? Oxidized. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you have some at home, uh, I drink it. <laughs> uh, it actually wasn't that bad. It was, I mean, obviously it, it would already had some, you know, it was a bit tart to begin with. And it's obviously things have taken over a little bit. But it was still, yeah, I've got a buddy that keeps a lot of our like old barrel-aged beers um, to see how they do. But that was like one of the, that was the first ever barrel aged beer we'd done. Yeah. And Pete had never had experience with doing barrels b- before. And, um, Hey, remember when you blew up a barrel or what happened? You th- put something in, didn't, wasn't there an explosion when you were cleaning barrels and somebody was back there? Didn't you mix things the wrong oh, way? Oh, I put the chemicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In back. What did you do? I mixed the like full strength chemicals before. They're just like a, a storage solution for the, uh, for the barrels. Right. And, uh, I mixed them and it, reacted right. uh, an acid and a base reacted and it off gassed some stuff and right and that was, was pretty nasty that was the day we decided to stop doing tours while we were working in the back well it wasn't even a tour it was just some people, people can yeah. hang out in the back while we're working which is never a good idea no that's my business partner jane always bringing <laughs> real estate people into the back yeah without being unannounced no he's pretty good now he's pretty good now um what would you say is your favorite beer uh in the industry and why, like outside of Steel and Oak, that you you drink? Bernabarian is up there. Man, Jagger uh, gets enough love. We gotta stop with this. <laughs> I've... Let's see what's. Well, you can go with there. Bernabarian. I'll, yeah, I'll I mean in. that one. That one's just like if it's if it's on the menu somewhere, that's that's, that's what you have. Probably really? what I'm gonna have. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if it is what I have. I like the Persephone Dry Irish oh, Stout. Oh yeah. If it's on nitro, especially. Yeah. I yeah. had it yesterday uh, at Tap and Barrel Olympic Village and um, uh, Beer Life Podcast brought to you by Tap and Barrel. Um, <laughs> the, um, and it was, it's delicious. That beer yeah. is awesome. And you can drink it any, di- any, any day of the year. Yeah. 
right? It's so good. Yeah, the Burnabarian's great. It's just an easily crushable beer, and it's always dialed in. I think yeah. it, it probably rotates through fast enough that you're always seems like you're always getting a fresh can. And uh, yeah, it's that's a great beer. Yeah. And give me a, a low ABV beer any day. That's yeah. that's what I want. Yeah, they don't sell enough. No, but you and no one else, right? Yeah, yeah. Brewers, brewers want that. Well, and there was this like for a while there, there was this kind of, I don't want to say it was a rumor, but there was just like people were saying, and I don't, you know, people is vague, but like that low ABV beers, low ABV beers are what like they're coming back, they're in vogue, that's what people want. And then we were at the uh, BC Craft Brewers Conference, and the what was his name? The the good. The beer hunt, good beer, good beer hunting, good beer hunting guy who's like a stats guy. Um, he's like, no, that's not that's not true at all. Yeah, they're and, growing, but yeah. they're still a tiny percentage. Yeah, whereas like the the seven percent beers are like growing seven percent and higher is yeah. what's experiencing the most growth, right? And it was the same thing where like, you know, there everybody's like, yeah, loggers are loggers are are now taking off, which is true. Loggers are growing, but he was saying like on the west coast, IPA still sells three times as much. Yeah, right, and uh, so which was always it was always interesting. Um, am I the best boss you've ever had? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was too quick. You're up there. Oh, okay. up there. Who's but, the best boss you've ever had? Uh, I worked at a Persian rug store in Melbourne. Really? And uh, this guy was just the nicest guy ever. Interesting. No, yeah. He probably is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I was moving Persian rugs around and throwing him in a van, taking him to an auction and then just moving him around the store. And yeah, he was just lovely. He was, yeah, super nice. He, I mean, he provided lunch for everyone every day. Yeah. Uh, there was one time I was working away from, uh, from the store and, uh, I had not brought a lunch with me and I didn't realize that there was nowhere to buy lunch. And he brought you lunch. He brought me lunch. That's he crazy. called me and be like, Oh, everything good. I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like, did you bring a lunch? I was like, no, I'm just going to find something around here. He's like, there's nothing. So, wow, that is a good boss. I, I would never do that. No, I, I would know just be like, you, you should be more prepared, Eric. That's, that's, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a life lesson, life lesson boss. I was supposed to have skipped the dishes so you could just order it anywhere. Yeah, that didn't exist back then. <laughs> um, okay, so for those of you listening, um, one of Eric's unique things is that he's had more jobs than I, you've had any kind of job. And sometimes it sounds like bullshit, but then it's not. And so <laughs> can you list in order all the jobs that you've had? No, I couldn't do that. Can you just list the jobs that you've had? <laughs> All right. Uh, first job was at an A&W yeah. when I was 15. Yeah. Um, then what? I worked at a gas station. I was a housekeeper in Lake Louise. Uh, I was a baggage handler at the airport. I... Uh, Worked for the Persian rug store. I did some demolition work. I worked at a like weird clearance store thing that traveled around the country in Australia. I, uh, I worked for eBay, customer service thing. Um, I worked at FedEx. I worked at, uh, where else? I was an aircraft mechanic. I worked at the Mint in Ottawa, and there's definitely more in there. I you just, were at the tannery. Oh, yeah. I you worked at a, tannery a, in... at a crocodile farm in Zambia, um, trying to start a tannery um, for the croc skins. You hate crocodiles? No. Oh. 
Oh, they're they're fine. You just breed them for their skins? Well, the farm already existed. Oh, okay. Um, and it was selling skins to like Louis Vuitton and, oh, and all wow. that. Yeah, it was all like luxury stuff. But then there's the like lower quality ones. Who gets that? Uh at this point, they were worthless, basically. But really, so they were trying to uh, start a tannery to make a kind of local industry oh, there, using kind of the lower quality, still good. Um, and so that we were trying. It was it wasn't the most successful venture, but yeah, the farm itself had been operating for I don't know twenty, thirty years or more. That's wild. And it was it was doing fine. And then somebody wanted to start a tannery there, huh. which is surprisingly a lot like brewing really in some ways just that like anybody can do it yeah it's kind of like you know you can homebrew you can make beer if you want to make really good beer it takes a lot if you want to be a really good tanner there's a lot of it's a science but it's also an art right in a lot of ways because you kind of just got to go by feel and by so if you want to make a louis vuitton handbag you got to be good but if you're making like a jordash wallet (laughs) and uh, how's that for a throwback to jordash i don't even know if that exists anymore um, you don't have to be good. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Cool. So that's, okay, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and Steel and Oak is 13 that and you can remember. Yeah, I probably had more. That's crazy. So I can list my jobs uh, <laughs> in order. Um, I worked at a chocolate factory. Uh, I worked for Old Navy at Metro Town. Um, I worked at Moody Park Arena teaching skating. Um, I taught rollerblade camp in the summer because I was a child of the 90s. And that's what you did. Um, and then I worked at Dynamic Productions, which was an audio production studio. And then I started Steel and Oak. So that is six. <laughs> that is six. Oh, no, wait. And I worked for a personnel agency called the Personnel Department. And uh, so that's seven. Yeah. You know what? Actually, that's more jobs than I thought I had. Huh. That's crazy. Yeah, I remember my last day at Old Navy. I uh, it was Boxing Day, and at in Metrotown, the Old Navy, you go up the escalator, and then you, the store's right there. And yeah. uh, this was an Old Navy was like cool, right? It was coming to Vancouver for the first time. You're like, I got to get a job at Old Navy, so I get all this clothes, right? And um, and so I remember going up the escalator, and then just seeing like it was just mayhem. Like people were like basically killing each other for for sale rack and. And I looked in and I was just like, I did a, I did a 180 and just went back down the escalator and then just never went back. I didn't collect my paycheck. I didn't tell anybody. I just never. Oh, you worked at uh, Sport Check too. Oh yeah, I did. Remember? Because they just stopped scheduling you. Yeah, so they that, stopped scheduling me. That's and, right. You yeah, worked at I worked there for Boxing Day. And See, even I know you better. That's Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What got you into, because um, uh, you were an airline mechanic for a little while up north. Yeah. And so... When you, did you do some traveling and decide that you were just like, I'm going to go to BCIT and become an airline mechanic. And then that was that, or how did yeah, you Yeah, I've been that? thinking about that. Well, I mean, I graduated high school. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so I had like tinkered around with my car and stuff like that. I was like, working with my hands is pretty good. Um, and then I, I've always liked planes and just like watching them and that. So I was like, well, aircraft mechanic would be a cool thing to do. I did a bit of research. It seemed, seemed good at the time. Um, and so, yeah, I did some traveling, then went to, uh, to BCIT, yeah. did that program there, and then moved up to, to Yellowknife. Right. Uh, and what up was there. Yellowknife like? It's interesting. Uh, That's nice. <laughs> it was good. Uh, it's very isolated. Yeah, so, fair. like, you can't go anywhere. You're 
a 16 hour drive from Edmonton. Right. So you can't go away for the weekend. Yeah. And plus then you're in Edmonton. So yeah, that's no offense. Who wants to go? Wow. Wow. Hey, lots of people. Edmonton's great. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So like that's, I think that was the hardest part there. And, um, but like some people love it. I know people that I worked with, they're still there. They've decided they had moved up there around the same time as me and it worked for them. Whereas for me, it wasn't, wasn't my thing. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, I, I can't imagine living in Yellowknife. I know that was like the when I was getting a, a radio broadcast degree um, at BCIT, the thing was, oh, if you wanted to be on air, you always had to move to the middle of nowhere. And it yeah. was just never something that was I wanted to do. I don't know. I like stuff too much. Plus, I'd have to move out of New West, right? And then I would be allowed <laughs> back. So today's episode, we are going to be drinking Velour Toboggan. Velour? That's it. Velour. That's amazing. Yeah. What a what a name. Velour Toboggan Raspberry Dry Hop Dark Ale with raspberries. Uh it is from uh Dajerade? Daj uh in Burnaby, BC. Um and it says on the back, a smooth, comfy, dark ale based oh fuck, I can't read this morning. A smooth, comfy, dark ale base overlaid with thrilling highlights of bright raspberry and fruity dry hops make velour toboggan the perfect way to slide into the damp misery of a Vancouver winter. You know, I didn't know who wrote it until the very end when it says damp misery. And I'm like, that's Ben for sure. Definitely. Definitely. He's not that miserable. He's a lovely, lovely guy. I love him. (laughs) In fact, so he emailed me. uh, Maybe this is, let's do this right now because I haven't actually read the email. And, uh, but it said BC Beer Awards and from Ben, but the BC Beer Awards are over. So either he's bragging because uh, they win a bunch of BC Beer Awards. Yeah. Or he's kind of a stats guy, and so he does weird things sometimes. He says, what does it say? I'm going to bring it up. This is terrible podcasting. I might just edit it out <laughs> if I have time. So we'll see. Um, and if the Wi-Fi was here, it would come up by now. But let's pour this beer. Have you had it before, Eric? I have. And? I'm going to try it again and give you my up-to-date results. Okay. It's pretty, no, but I like it. It's pretty cold. Let's see. It's got a nice brown color to it kind of raspberry e yeah the color i think is the worst part of the beer uh, <laughs> <laughs> which hey if it's just appearance but it tastes really good then yeah, don't pull any punches right well i just say it's it's a little bit murky and it's brownie and muddy uh, that's what people want right haze haze that's true uh i can't pull up this email to save my life so just drink this in like a ceramic stein do you think I, I, the color I kind of like? Really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I would have liked it a little bit more red, but you know, hey, keep trying, Dagrad. <laughs> you guys haven't done enough, so you know. Um, well, let's talk about why I wasn't invited to your wedding. Because <laughs> no one was. So you you got engaged and told no one. And was that a, a decision that you were going to do anyways? So got engaged. We were in Belgium um, on vacation. Yeah. And uh, I proposed. She said yes. It was great. And then the next day, we were going to call our parents. That mm-hmm. was just like, well, I guess that's that's what you do. Yeah. Um, and we were probably five minutes away from calling our parents and uh, and then I think it was me, but maybe it was Andrea that just kind of was like, what if we don't? Um, what if we just don't tell anyone? And uh, 
And we had some uh, some friends that had done that. That I mean, they had been together for I don't know ten, fifteen years. Yeah. And uh, a couple years ago, we were going up to the Sunshine Coast with some other friends and uh, to stay at their uh, parents' place there. And uh, they had invited these friends, the ones that ended up getting married on that trip too. And they're like, Oh, we're already going to be on the sunshine coast, but we're doing our own thing. Ah. And then on the Sunday we met up with them. They're like, Oh, well, we're there. Let's meet up for a bit, go yeah. for a walk or something. And, uh, and they're like, yeah, we got married yesterday. Shit. <laughs> and so, so I think the seed was planted Yeah, that that's something that is possible. Cause yeah. I don't think, and so then we just decided, we're like, okay, what if we don't tell anyone? Yeah. And we just do it. And we did the Sunshine Coast because that seemed like the right thing. It's yeah. beautiful there. And we just went away. We had a nice Airbnb, a gorgeous Airbnb. So yeah. we just made it a weekend away. We brought some good beer, some uh, charcuterie stuff so we could just stay stay in most of the time. And yeah. we had hired a photographer and a wedding commissioner. Yeah. And... That's it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. We needed one more person to be a witness because uh, oh. you need two. So the the uh, the photographer was one and yeah. you need a second witness. And I thought it'd be cool to just get a random person that was in because we were going to do it in a public park. Right. Uh, but then like, what if there was nobody there? Yeah. And so uh, the wedding commissioner was like, well, I can just bring a friend. And her friend was super happy to go. And just, That's amazing. Yeah. And so that's we just cool. did that. Yeah. I was, uh, I, you know, I was, I was really surprised. I mean, afterwards I wasn't like once you started talking about it, I was like, okay, that makes sense. I, I could see that. Um, I had a friend that, um, that they, they, they did that, but it was, they were, weren't planning it. They were just away and they're like, we probably just won't get married. You know, we'll have kids and whatever, but you know, um, and then they were in Bali and they're like, oh no, let's just do this. And they did just on a whim. Right. And his mom was pissed. <laughs> Were your parents pissed or are they okay? Uh, outwardly, they're okay. Yeah. I think my mom would have wanted, my dad I don't think cares, but my mom would have wanted Yeah, something. you're definitely the second favorite child now <laughs> in the Mutel clan. Even that, like she was asking me like, well, can we just organize a party yeah. for like your friends and our friend? And I was like, no, that's the reason, <laughs> we didn't, like we didn't want to do that. Like we yeah. just didn't want to, first of all, to have to organize something. And yeah. It's just not us. So we just did it our way and yeah, and that's it. The, um. We went to um, uh, Brent Mills, um, and he had a, um, a surprise wedding that we were in, that we were invited to. And I remember we, we were should com- do a podcast with Brent Mills. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if he returns my call, and he's got a baby now, so it's really hard. We're actually supposed to get together this weekend because we haven't met the baby yet, and uh, we had loose plans for Sunday, but I have no confirmation. And I've been trying to get him back on the podcast, <laughs> and he's a hard guy to nail down, to be honest. Um, but we. Um, so I would got this random email. Oh, it was an email from Allison, his wife. And, uh, it was like, Hey, it's Brent's birthday. I want to do a surprise birthday party for him. Um, we're just going to do it in the backyard of our house. Um, I want to make it kind of like a fancy cocktail party. So dress up, bring kids, um, be here at this time sharp. Um, so that we can surprise him. I'm like, Oh, great. And then later that week he came to do a collab with us and, uh, and so I thought I was being fucking so good. And I'm like, so what are you doing this weekend? He's like, oh, it's my birthday. He's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe just hang out and not do too much. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm like, have a great weekend. And I'm like, he left. I'm like, what an idiot. <laughs> and then sure enough, we show up 
And Alyssa, my wife, who's really good at, fig- she's the worst person to watch a show with because she'll always figure it out before before it. She's like, oh, they're going to do this. But that guy is the killer. And then she's right and just ruins it. And we're pulling in and we were late because we had uh, Jude, our son, with us. And, and when you have a kid, you're late all the time. And uh, so we're walking up and Alyssa's like, I think this is a surprise wedding. I'm like, no, no way. <laughs> and then we walked in and sure enough, they they like pulled it over on everybody. And they there was only like, I think a couple people that knew that helped plan it, but everybody showed up thinking they were showing up for Brent's birthday and it was a surprise wedding, which was awesome. And surprise wedding just sounds like that shouldn't happen because if the people getting married are surprised about it, then that's not right. Well, they're not surprised about it. No, I know. I know. But like when, when you just say surprise wedding to me, it's like, wait, Oh, one of them didn't know. I see see you mean. Yeah. But no, if if the guests don't know, then that's fine. Yeah. It was the guests didn't know. And it was great. It was, it was because we still had a nice, a fun party and it was just, I don't know. It was cool. I'd never been to anything like that before. And then I felt like such a dummy because, you know, I was like, oh, you asshole. And he's like, ah, you thought you were so clever. And I'm like, (laughs) I know I'm dumb. I get it. I get it. So anyways, it was, it was great. Um, that's enough wedding talk. Um, so going through the list of jobs you've had and, and, You've lived a pretty interesting life to date. Who would you say is the most interesting person in beer? Ooh. See, Eric, I have the hard-hitting questions. Oh, man. Most interesting person in beer. I feel like Ian Hill from Strange Fellows. Ian Hill is an interesting guy. I like... I feel like there's... I've talked to him many times, and but like I feel like there's something behind what I know that is more like i mean he's he's, a secret agent no 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 nothing like that but just i bet you there's more stories that i just have to get more out of him yeah ian ian's a uh he is an interesting guy he's great and he'll like call on the weekend sometimes and then be like hey jordan let's do this and then and then i'll be like okay i'll call you back and then i'll call him back and then he'll miss my call and then he'll just never call back sometimes (laughs) (laughs) like oh it was so important but he's obviously a busy guy and uh i hope he's listening to this but i doubt it (laughs) but i should have him on the show um um, but yeah, he is an interesting guy. That's a good one, actually. Ian yeah. Hill is very interesting. Um, so I, I, this email came up from Ben that we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah. So uh, sometimes when Ben has downtime, he likes to just find crazy stats. How does he have downtime? I don't know, because he's got twins. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, he's very efficient. Uh, so he says, um, uh, and I hope he's okay with me sharing this, because then it'll make him seem like an uh, egotistical uh, <laughs> guy. But he said, so... Yesterday, I looked at past BC Beer Awards results. Here are the top winners in the last five years. So now, don't look at my email. But okay. do you think who, okay, can you name the top five most winningest, is that a word? Most winningest breweries from the BC Beer Awards for the last five years. Dagrad for sure, because he wouldn't be sending this email. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's like, well, we're actually way down. Dagrad is at the top with 22 yeah. medals in the last five years. Yeah. I'm also going to assume we're up there because he wouldn't be sending it to us or to you if we if are. We, we are second. We're second with 18 medals. Okay. Who is third? Third. Strange fellows might be up you there. You teed it up. It is strange fellows. Okay. All Look right. At Look at that. Hey, that's that's good podcasting right there. <laughs> you teed up with the Neen Hill story and then the strange fellows and then Parallel 49, Steamworks, Brassneck, and then a whole bunch of others. But whatever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Actually, when you look at the list, you're like, all these guys are, they're, you know, they're breweries that have actually been around for, well, obviously they have to be around for five years, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're all like sometimes with the awards and we talk about this all the time is that like, 
you know, it's and and Ben when he was on the podcast said it's like it's real easy for a good beer not to win, but it's real hard for a bad beer to win. Yeah. And so when you look at the overall average over the last five years, you know, all of I mean, it's, it's Brassneck, it's uh, you know, Twin Sales, Yellow Dog, Thirty Three Acres, right? Like they're you know, there's they're. I guess over overall the average starts to work out at least for the breweries that I respect the beer that they make and, and think that they're doing cool shit. So, hey Ben, that's what happens when you email me privately and you think that it's just going to stay there. <laughs> I'm going to have to text him after this to make sure he's okay. Otherwise, we're going to lose ten minutes of audio. <laughs> um, if you could leave uh, some advice for anybody that's looking to open a brewery or thinking about getting into industry, what would it be? I mean, I already said before, plan for production at kind of your top. So when you start, when we started, we were brewing once a week, we were packaging once a week. It was easy to do one thing at a time. Um, Think about your space in terms of full of tanks, as many as you can fit in there while still having room to package and whatever else you need to do. Um, But then even just the flow of, okay, if you're brewing and packaging and cleaning a tank at the same time, yeah. how is it going to look and who's going to get in what way? Um, because I think that's something yeah. you, uh, you don't think of. And then, and I think it depends because there's two ways to, to have a brewery. One, do you want to make money or do you want to make good beer? Uh, and they're <laughs> often not, you can't do both. Choose one. I, you, you, I mean, well, I mean, if you want it, but like, if you want to pump out beer in yeah, fair enough. a week and just get it out there, I mean, you can make, there's probably a third thing and you have to choose two Yeah, and you can't do all three. Right. Um, and so for my thing is don't, don't cut corners. Yeah. Uh, it's just, if you want good beer, it's going to take time. It's going to take quality ingredients. Um, you can try to save money here and there and, and do that. But if you really want to make good beer, which I hope you do, um, then do that. And the money will be harder to see right away. You can be like, well, we can cut this down and get more beer out of it or spend less time in the tanks and all that. But do make good beer. That, that should be your number one priority, not acceptable beer. Unless you just want to make money and then acceptable beer might be, might be the way. Might be okay. Yeah but then you will feel an emptiness inside your soul. Exactly. I hope anyways. Yeah. Uh, that is Eric Mutel, our head brewer at Steel and Oak. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me finally. Yeah, right? Okay, <laughs> okay. We'll do it again. Uh, this has been episode 14 of Beer Life with Jordan Foss. Jordan Foss.